The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I am your host. This is episode 30. And what a great show this week. My guest, Barbie Berg, kind of became known at first uh, for her awesome blog, uh, in which she tells us all about this quest she went on to go on 100 dates in one year. And she's going to tell a dating story that will have you in stitches. It is so funny. Barbie, just an amazing person, and her energy is incredible. Uh, She's also got an amazing line of dresses, uh, modest wedding dresses. She's going to tell us all about that, too. You're going to love it, so stick around for that. And then this week in my Latter-day Life, since we're talking about dating, I'm going to tell you about a date and the importance of the Aladdin movie uh, in my life. So that's all coming up. But before we jump into all of that, we have a very special event coming up really soon, the LDS Film Festival. Now, if you have not listened to our interview with our friend Kels Goodman, please go back. Everything's in the archives on uh, latterdaylives.com. You can go back and check or on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Kels Goodman, along with his wonderful wife, Stephanie, they run the LDS Film Festival. And if you've not been, you must go. If you're in the Orem area, even if you live up in Ogden or down in St. George, come on up, even if it's just for a day. It runs February 26th through March 3rd. So it's coming up here in just a couple weeks, and you've got to go check it out. Uh, Monday night, really important. Monday night, they are actually doing a uh, sort of a family night, which is going to be really fun. There's a family film competition, and uh, We Love You, Sally Carmichael. Now, again, if that sounds familiar, We Love You, Sally Carmichael, Dave Nibley, who is one of the producers and is in the movie, he was also a guest. So they're going to be showing his movie, and guess what? It's free, Monday night, February 26th. And if you want details, check out ldsfilmfest.com. LDSfilmfest.com. It's got all the schedule. You can get tickets, but it's free Monday, the 26th, and that's at the Sarah Theater in Orem. You have got to go check it out. Now, that night is free, Monday, the 26th. The rest of the week, there are all kinds of movie premieres, and there are panels and interviews, and there will be podcasters there recording. There are musicians, and there is so much going on. You have got to go to this event. Now, tickets are very, very reasonable. You can get an all-day pass. Uh, depends on which day it is for the price, or you can go to any of the programs for $8 a piece. Again, it's all there. If you want to pass for the full festival, that's everything. Like, you can go to everything. Full festival pass runs $50 per person. Well, well worth it. But our good friends, Kels and Stephanie, Uh, are giving away two passes to our listeners. So one lucky listener is going to win two passes, and here's how it goes. My email is sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. All you need to do is drop me an email saying what your favorite film starring a Mormon is. The Mormon doesn't have to be the star, and they don't have to be 
known as a super active Mormon. I think, uh, you know, Paul Walker at one point was raised in the church. So if your favorite film is, uh, is Fast and the Furious, we'll accept that or whatever. If it's even someone who had a minor role, just find a film you love that had a Mormon actor, email me, and I will draw one winner. And I will not be judging your films, so send in whatever you like. As long as it's a movie that had a Mormon in it, I'll give you my favorite is Mulan. That's right, Donny Osmond did the voice in Mulan, uh, the singing voice, and I just love Donny Osmond, and I love Mulan, so that's mine. I won't be judging the answers, just as long as you send me some film that had a Mormon in it that you love, and then I'll draw one lucky winner. It's a $100 value. You will get two passes to the full LDS Film Festival, and you can go see a bunch of movie premieres. Again, that runs February 26th through March 3rd at the Sarah in Orem, so check it out. Email me, Sean at LatterdayLives.com. And again, thanks to our friend Kells and his wonderful wife, Stephanie. They are the best couple, just great people and doing great work. And you may even see me there and get you on on the podcast for a minute. Okay, now that we're done with that, we are ready to move on. Again, Barbie Berg, so much fun. I'm excited for you to hear it. So without any further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. My guest today is a really fun and exciting person. I mean, you can, her personality is just contagious. You can feel it. Uh, Welcome to the show, Barbie Berg. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. I've really looked forward to this. Uh, Our Mutual friend Nick Galetti introduced us, and yep. I'm so glad that he did, because uh, I've been excited to ask you a lot of questions. But before we dive into all the big stuff, let's hear a little bit about Barbie. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, So the basics are, yes, my name is Barbie. It was originally- Is that your born given name? It is, is not. No. no, it's Barbara. But I started going by Barbie when I was about 25. Yeah. And so- Was there something that caused that? I always wanted a cool nickname, yeah. because- I always sounded like a little old lady, like Barbara's kind of a little old lady name. I don't think, well, maybe. Okay. I don't know. And so <laughs> I I worked at a place that had several Barbaras, and so we each picked a nickname, and Barbie stuck, and I just went with it from there. Barbie. What yeah. a great name. I know. It's awesome. Barbie. Where are you from, Barbie? <laughs> Originally Colorado. Yeah. I've been out here for five and a half years now. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What's the big difference between Utah and Colorado? The Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> Say it nicely. <laughs> uh, I used to spend a lot of time in Colorado. Yeah, you definitely, there is definitely, the Mormons are the big difference. Yes, yes. And and the orientation of the mountains. It's true. Yeah. It still throws me off. Yeah, look I still west versus have a hard time. East. Yes. Yeah, that's, so, that's the big difference. But other than that, they're pretty dang similar. So. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we're so glad that you're here. One of the things Barbie has become very well known for is this dating challenge that you put together. (laughs) And when I first heard about this, I mean, it just sounds so awesome. Tell us about the dating challenge. So one of the things I've known for is I have a lot of crazy dating stories and I'm single. I've never been married. I'm 37. And so I just find dating kind of fascinating. And so I get bored and I give myself challenges. I actually need to come up with something new. But it was it's been a couple years, but I woke up one morning and I don't know why, but I was like, I should give myself a dating challenge and go on some dates. And for some reason, I decided on 100 dates in a year. How, how many years ago was this? Oh, three or yeah. four, maybe? So this is pretty recent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I just decided to do that. And it was 
a hundred dates, not a hundred different guys. So that was the big thing. Yeah. In a year. In a year. That's a date every like 3.3 days. Oh my goodness. And there were some weeks that I went on seven dates in a week. Like it was because I'm like, I got to get my numbers done. (laughs) I got to get my numbers. It really was. Did you ever say that to any of the guys? I, you know, there were some that are like, you're just going on a date with me to get the number. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's Depending pretty much on your personality, yeah. Yeah, that's true. a smart true. guy. <laughs> so, so you decide to do 100 dates in a year. Mm-hmm. So how did it go? I really wish I'd only done 50. <laughs> <laughs> so but, once, once you decided on 100, you were, you're the type of person where yeah. you're driven. You're going to do the 100. Oh, yeah. Like, because everybody would always ask me, they're like, where are you even meeting these guys? And literally, if you go to my Facebook pictures, you'll see a profile picture of me holding a sign that says, help me get to 100 dates. <laughs> And like, I just went out there and I had everybody set me up and I went on Tinder and I went on all these LDS dating sites and like, I just went out there and did it. And as long, my rule was nobody got turned down as long as I did not feel like I was physically in danger. So I I gotta say, Barbie. Yeah. That's a low bar. (laughs) That's not exactly, that's not exactly, you know, you always hear about young women who write the list of all their dream guys. Totally. It's never just not physical danger. Not physical. Sure. And I assume they had to be single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, was... and single. Like, yeah. literally, I opened myself up to everything because I I know a lot of girls who are very picky. And picky's not bad, but picky yeah. about dumb things is bad. Sure. Um, and so I just was like, okay, no, as long as I don't feel in physical danger. Like, I went out with one man who was 72. 72. Yeah. <laughs> was 72. And you were in your young 30s at the time. I was in my uh, early 30s. He is still a dear friend of mine that to this is day. So awesome. I know. Barbie, this is like the greatest thing. <laughs> How fun. I am so glad that you liked it. I mean, yeah. it was really, really interesting. And so my goal is to write a book about all my dating experiences because I've had some crazy, crazy I dates. will buy it on day one. Okay, I love I it. I cannot love it. wait. <laughs> what, was, what was the, uh, if you could pick a worse date? Yeah. And I hate to say it because someone might be listening to this, so, so no names. But, no, no, I've but, learned. I've learned but not to. If you were to pick, I, do, is there one that stands out as a worst date, or are there just a few? Just in the hundred dates, or in my entire life? In the hundred dates. In the hundred dates. Hmm. You know, the funny thing is, I didn't get many crazy dates in the hundred date oh, challenge. Oh wow! Okay. Um, it was actually a lot of really good dates with really good guys. Yeah. You know, there were just some great guys out there. The only thing that was probably really memorable for me was I remember this one guy found me on Facebook, sent me a message. He's like, we have a mutual friend. I know about your challenge. I'd love to take you out. And I'm like, okay. And then he sat and complained about my friend the whole time. <laughs> what? Like, it was very strange. Why would he do that? I don't really know. <laughs> it was a very strange situation. So I was like, and we just ended up meeting outside in the courtyard at like Gateway Mall and had like a snack. And then I was like, okay, I'm out. And I'm so, done. but other than that, that's the funny thing is all these people are like, oh, was everybody crazy? No, there were just some really good people. So probably the craziest in everyone else's mind was, and I have a, I have a blog post about it. I call it my date with the old guy. Yeah. And so 72. 72. Gosh, this is the most fascinating challenge. <laughs> I just I really do. I think it's just awesome. Yeah. So um what was do you have a did you have a best date? Like one that you just thought, man, that is all time. Hmm. Yeah, I have to say my old guy date was actually one of my better dates. What did you guys do? He so we met at a speed dating event. And you really went for this. No, I mean, like this I was really like, I put myself 
out there. Like there was no way I was that people were going to be like, I can't date because I don't put myself out there. I was out there holding the sign, doing it. And so I went to a speed dating activity and I actually met a couple guys from there. But I remember seeing his name is Dave. He's a great friend of mine now. And uh, I was like, that dude's old, but handsome. What's going on there? And so he came around and we started talking. And it turns out that he volunteers as um, one of the people at like the opera and stuff that the ushers and stuff, that whole community. And he was like in charge of it. And so he found out that I love opera. So he took me to the opera. And it was like, no way. He like went out of his way to do something that he knew that I liked that people wouldn't normally do. Yeah. So. It was, yeah, it was a great date. Did you find a common difference? I mean, you went out, you Mm -hmm. went out with a variety of ages, guys in their fifties, forties. Yep. Did you, did you date anyone in their twenties? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So did you find (laughs) generational differences? Yes and no. Um, The younger guys wanted to date me for the attention of the challenge I was doing. Oh yeah. And the older guys, like in their forties and fifties, almost didn't want to go out with me because they didn't want the attention from what I was doing, even though I made a point never to bring up anybody by name or anything like that. So there definitely was a difference. Um, Yeah. yeah. But there's definitely differences of like holding doors open and things like that. There's a huge difference in the generations there. Do you think that that's because it's going away, those types of things? Mm -hmm. Or do you just think it's as we get older, we do it more? I honestly think it's because it's going away. Mm. Personal opinion, and this is just my own personal theory, I think that Mormons don't know how to date. Oh, interesting. Because it's something that's kind of not taught anymore. And I started noticing the difference in the generations based on the people that, I don't know if you remember, like late 90s, early 2000s, like the church never necessarily came out and said anything, but all of a sudden became a cultural thing that you only go on group dates when you're in high school. Like that was it. I don't know if you remember when that kind of change happened. Yeah, sure. I was in Young Men's when that really came about. And that was a big thing. Like, you didn't go on individual dates. Right. And I think in some ways it kind of did a disservice because all of those people in that generation and forward don't know how to ask a girl on a date. They didn't know what to do on a one-on-one date. And these are men in their 30s and 40s now, and they still kind of don't know what to do. So I speak to a lot of uh, young adult groups as Mm -hmm. well as youth groups and whatnot. In in YSA wards where I speak or in stakes... They tell us this is a huge problem. Huge. That it's guys will not ask girls out. Mm-hmm. It's it's a big group text of, hey, we're all going to this place. Yep. And we're all going to go hang out yep. or whatever. And it doesn't give them the opportunity to date. See, I, as an old man, <laughs> dating was such a big deal when I was in the single mm-hmm. adult ward. I mean, you went out on dates. That's yeah. what you did. Interesting. Did you find a big difference between that, that you can quantify between... Men who were divorced versus men who were single? Yes. I know a lot of girls that, because I'm in mid-singles, a lot of these girls I'm with are like, I don't want to be with anybody who's ever been married, but I found the quality guys were actually the divorced guys. Those were the guys that have been through a really bad heartbreak, whether for whatever reason they're divorced, but those were the guys that were really willing to look for real connections and real Mm things and they were the ones that would work really hard and they were the ones that weren't so concerned about all the toys and having the right clothes like they really cared about making a real connection and being strong in the church and things like that so i actually i still say divorce guys are just the diamonds in the rough that is that is so interesting to yeah because it is the opposite <laughs> of what you hear sometimes oh I, completely i have friends who are single who say yeah you know i, I don't know about mm-hmm. 
dating divorce guys for fear of, of baggage and whatnot. Yeah. But it does make sense what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they know what they want. They know what they're looking for. And they've kind of been through some of the hurdles. Yep. That maybe a single guy hasn't. Um, it's interesting. I, I, you know, when I, you know, I do stand-up comedy. And, and mm-hmm. I did, one year I did a New Year's Eve um, uh, mid-singles event. It was mm-hmm. like, for the whole state, it seemed like it was packed. It was up at the U of U. And I was telling these jokes. It was in the middle of a church dance and they stopped it and asked me to perform for a half an hour. Okay. Really odd. Yeah. But but what was funny was I was performing and a guy walks up in the middle of my set, 10 minutes into me telling jokes and he goes, Hey, uh, how much longer are you going to be going while I'm telling jokes? What? And I said, uh, about another 20 minutes. He goes, could you cut it short? We're here to meet girls. No, he, he didn't. He literally did that. He did that. <laughs> that's that's my only. I got married very what? young, so that's my only mid singles experience. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of neat. Did you meet anyone that while you were on the date you thought, hey, this could really turn into something, or was was it more just the experiment? Um. So the classic thing with me, and it's been my whole life that I'm very much the guys that I'm interested in don't tend to be interested in me, and then vice versa. Mm. So, but. A fun little thing is most of the guys that I tend to be interested in, not pursue per se, but actually would like to see it go somewhere, end yeah. up dating someone else almost immediately after I decide to start liking them and get married every single time. And they have these beautiful, wonderful marriages. So it's great. And I do love that. We call that the Barbie effect. It really is. Yeah. Like, I think probably five or six of the guys that I went on dates with at the 100 at the 100 date challenge. There was one guy that we only went on one date, but I remember thinking like he was just I mean, he was a quality guy. Yeah. Divorced, had a lot of kids, wonderful gentleman, hardworking, and he ended up meeting a girl and just phenomenal girl and they got married awesome. and stuff, but but I remember thinking like at the time I was very sad that it didn't go anywhere, yeah. but now I'm like, "Oh, she's so great." Oh. <laughs> So that's wonderful. Yeah. What was the mix of LDS versus non-LDS guys? You know, um, I probably 50-50, maybe not that much. I really did try to date a lot more LDS guys. Yeah. It's hard because I don't, and like LDS guys don't tend to, I don't want to say that they don't love me. I think I'm a little intimidating because I'm loud and I'm very driven and I love to work and this is just how yeah. I am. And I think they kind of just don't know what to do with me. Interesting. You think that's yeah. more for LDS guys that are, they're more like that. Yeah. Well, that they kind of get turned off by that. Interesting. Yeah. They kind of, and my best girlfriends are all very much like me and we all kind of experience the same thing. Really? But non LDS guys love us. They're like, <laughs> you are so hardworking and you're this and you're that. And we're like, wait, so the things that these non-member guys love about us, LDS guys don't love about us. That is so fascinating. Yeah. Were, were any of the non-LDS guys really interested in the fact that you were LDS? Did they ask you questions about it? Not really a ton. It's hard in Utah because... I guess they all know so many Mormons. Exactly. Yeah. And so they're kind of like, let's not talk about it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's fine by me. But because I'm, I'm not someone who wants to push my religion on anyone. Of course. It works no, of course. for me. It doesn't have to work for you. I've met amazing quality guys who aren't LDS. So I was like, cool, I'll just open myself up to anything. Yeah. So I dated a girl um, after my mission mm-hmm. where we, we were friends and then we kind of went on a few dates and she was very devout Seventh-day Adventist. Really? And we finally got to the point where we just said, you know what, we're just not going to talk religion. Yep. <laughs> because yep. it just never went down. <laughs> and we eventually kind of said, you know... You're into your thing very much. I'm into my thing. And that's how it kind of ended. Yep. 
Well, this is fascinating. I, you need to write the book. Yes, I'm uh, working on because it. Because I am buying it day one. Thank I you. I cannot wait to read. <laughs> now, some of these stories are posted on your blog. Some of them are. Yeah. Yes, a couple. Like my my second weirdest dating story was I posted on there. Yeah. But my first strangest, I can't figure out how to write it. So I think I'm going to have to do a video post about it. Yeah. So your first weirdest, can you tell us where it was? It was in Colorado. Were you saving it? No, I mean, it's on my blog. You can read it. And I actually like to watch people read the blog, this this one, because it's so funny to watch them and their mouths just drop and they go, that didn't happen. I'm like, no, it did. And so I call it my date with a polygamist. Whoa, wait a minute. You're not going to drop that bomb and not go into that. But the funny thing is, that is not the weirdest part of the date. Okay, come on. Let's hear it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the weirdest date from Barbie. (laughs) I'm going to give you guys the Reader's Digest version. Let's hear it. Um, So, yes, the problem is most girls I know, I feel like, set their standards a little too high. Like, I won't date him if he's this short or I won't do this. And I'm very much, like I said, as long as you... Don't cause me physical harm. We're good. Yeah. My wife, by the way, my wife has remarkably low standards. So <laughs> I think they're you, higher you, than you, you think. You and she but... would get along well. She has almost no standards. <laughs> almost nothing. Yes. So at the time, I was very lonely. And it was back when internet dating very first started. I think I was 25-ish. And I was just starting to think about coming back to church. And so I went and I posted something. I was on this like LDS singles or something. And I ended up meeting this guy. And we're going to call him Jeff. Jeff. So Jeff, Jeff sends me a message and we message back and forth. He's like, here's my phone number. Give me a call sometime. So I call and a woman answers. And I was like, okay, well, is Jeff there? And she's like, oh, yeah, let me get him. So we're talking for a few minutes. And finally I ask him like, well, who answered the phone? And he's like, oh, that's my mom. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, do you live with your mom? And he's like, yeah. And he was divorced. And he said after the divorce, it was really hard. And so I, I moved in with my mom just to kind of get back on my feet. And I'm like, totally understandable. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Makes perfect no sense. No red flags on that at all. Yeah. For so sure. I'm like, great. Well, that's totally fine. I'm like, well, can I ask, how long have you been divorced? Eight years. Oh, wow. So he's been living and with he's his mother. Still with his mom. For eight years. After eight years. Yes. So I'm like, okay. And he's like, well, I'd, I'd love to take you on your dream perfect first date. What's your perfect first date? And I'm not a horribly romantic person, especially yeah. for first dates and especially oh, when I don't know you. For sure. Yeah. You don't want the romantic first no, date. No, I don't like it. And so I told him one of my favorite first dates is going to Dave and Buster's. They don't have them here. It's kind of like Boondocks. Sure. Yeah. yeah. A lot of video games. Like, video but games. Big video games. Exactly. You win tickets. And, yes. Yeah. So I told him, I said, well, Dave and Buster's might be fun. And he says... Well, it, it can be a little expensive. I don't know if I can afford it. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. Because you can drop $80 easy on a date. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and so I like, you know what? I said, let's just meet at Cold Stone. We'll get some ice cream. And he kind of gets quiet. And he goes, well, I guess I could borrow some money from my mom. Oh, <laughs> no. Keep in mind, this guy, no. yeah, at the time was 38 years old. 38? And he's got to borrow money from mom for ice cream. For ice cream. Okay, I don't know what's worse. The fact that he needed to borrow money for ice cream or that he told you. <laughs> Why is he telling you this? <laughs> but as most of my friends will tell you, they're like, Barbie's stories are pretty much just you going red flag, red flag, <laughs> red flag. And I just kind of ignore them and say, but I want to go on a date. So I get to Cold Stone and I'm sitting outside waiting. It's a beautiful night. And up pulls this car... Like, 
I, my rule is you have to have a car, but I mean, it was ghetto car. Like the kind that has Bare, like- Barely met the rule. Yes, where every door's painted a different color oh, of primer. No. And so he gets out and I'm like, oh, that's my date. And he walks over and he's got on like these like super short pants that you can tell are just way too short for him. Oh. And I'm like, I'm not going to be judgmental. <laughs> Let's just do this. So he gets there and I give him a hug. I'm like, oh, hi, it's nice to meet you. And- so he's like, let's sit down and chat for a bit. I'm like, okay. So we sit there and he goes, oh, oh, I forgot. And he reaches into his back pockets and he pulls out two bottles of cologne. No, he didn't. No, he did not. This is a real story. Barbie, this is the greatest story I've ever heard. And so pulls he, out two bottles of cologne. And he goes, which one do you like best? And one of them was Dracar and the other one was something else. And I'm like... <laughs> So I, I give I tell him which cologne I prefer. So he puts on some cologne. Mm-hmm. And then we're sitting there for just a minute. And I go, well, so you never told me what you do for a living. And he says, oh, I save families lots of money. And I go, well, what does that mean? And he's like, well, I, I, that's just what I do. And I go, okay, can you tell me more? Yeah, that's, that's vague and yeah. creepy. And so finally he goes, I work at Walmart. And I'm like... Okay, because in my which, head... Which is fine. There's nothing fine. wrong with Walmart. But say that you work at Walmart. Yes. Not I save families money. No. You're not Sam Walton. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so I am very much the person who tries to look for the best in people. I can tell. To a fault. Yes, To a fault, tell. as you will see. So I'm like, oh, thinking like in my mind, like they have a great management program. Maybe yeah, that's what he's doing. I'm sure. like, oh, are you a manager? He's like, no, I stock shelves at night. Oh. Okay. Thinking, I, I admire work. I mean, I think that that's so great. Work that, is great. But you don't phrase it like that. I know. I save families money. <laughs> I know. So I'm like, oh, so I'm like, are you thinking about, you know, accelerating a career there? Yeah. Like they have great programs. He's like, no, I don't want that kind of responsibility. I'm just going to keep stocking shelves. And you thought marriage material. And I thought, man, this give me a ring. Guy. This is it. Two kinds of cologne. Can't wait. <laughs> discount at Walmart. A car that runs. A car that, well... Sort of runs. Sort of runs. Okay. Okay. So what happened? So then he's like, oh, I forgot. I, I I brought you something to look at. And I'm like, okay. So he runs back to his car and he comes back with one of those three ring binders that's like four inches thick. Oh, no. I'm like, okay. And he puts it in front of me and it says, memories of Jeff. And I open it up and it's all of his mother's journal entries for the first, say, 12 years of his life. <laughs> And, and he's like, I thought you might be interested in looking at this. And I'm just looking at this and I'm like, what is going on? And so I start kind of flipping through and I'm like, okay, we'll just flip through this for a second. And then I close out. I was like, thank you. That was very thoughtful of you bring it. And he looks so sad and he goes, well, you don't want to read any more of it. About his first 12 years. Yeah. So I stop and I'm like, oh, okay. Because... Yes, I know most girls were like, I would have run screaming. I would never even been on this date. I am aware. This is just Barbie and why she's still single, apparently. So I read some. And the only one I really remember was there was a little excerpt that said, Jeff is now eight years old and has still never had processed sugar. And we're so proud of him. And I'm (laughs) like, okay, this is so not my dude. So so wait a minute. Now he's with a girl and getting ice cream. Like this is the biggest night of Jeff's life. Yes. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Big deal for Jeff. So then we go inside. So I'm finally I've read enough to suffice him. So he goes and puts it back in the car and we go inside and I'm looking and and I'm like, oh, this is good and this is good. I'm like, well, what kind are you going to get? And he goes, well, I didn't have enough money, so I'm just going to buy you ice cream. 
Oh. And I'm like, you've got to be There's kidding something me. something sadly sweet about that. It was. And at that point, I'm like. I mean, that is. You I'm know, like, do but... I share? Do I do I say, no, let's not do it? And I was like, no, I think I deserve ice cream now. <laughs> and so I got my ice cream. <laughs> so we go outside. There were kids in there with straight A's that did not deserve ice cream no, more than you did at that nobody point. Nobody did. I deserved that ice that cream. That was your deserved ice cream. Yes. So we, we go and we eat our, I eat my ice cream. And I think the date's done. And he's like, well, let's go for a walk. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Walks are free. Walks are free. In a very public place. Yes. So we with go. With lots of people around. So we go to this park that's close. And I'm like, okay, the sun started to go down. Why am I walking around a park with this man? <laughs> and so we start talking. And I'm like, so you have a good relationship with your ex? And he's like, yeah, we do. Um, he has a daughter. He's like, I just... I really hope that things get, you know, back on track because I would like her to be one of my wives one day. <laughs> wait, wait, no, stop. For real. Stop it. I right told you no one believes now. this is a real story and it is a real story. He wants his ex-wife to be one of his wives. Yes. Someday, someday. one of his wives. So I don't know if he means after we die. I don't know if he means on this life. And so we're walking. Barbara, you are so nice. You're trying to figure out what he means by this. What he means is creepy. And what he really means is, Barbie, run, run. No, he does. Even though you've got, you're filled up with ice cream, you're going to get a stomach cramp. Run, run. run. And so, so we're walking side by side and it's dark. So we can't see my face. And I'm just sitting there going, he didn't really say that. He couldn't have meant it. So I kind of changed the subject. About certain things, because I'm like, we'll do a lap around the park, and then I'm out of here. So we're walking, and then somehow it gets back on his daughter and stuff. And I'm like, oh, so you get to see your daughter often? He's like, yeah, I hope I get to see her more. And he said, I just really hope my ex-wife gets her life together, because I really want her to be one of my wives. He's making sure you know this. Yeah, he is making it clear. And so I was like, you know, I think I'm good. I think I'm going to head home. And at that point, I finally left. After all of that, I finally left. Did he ever call you again? Yes, he sure did. He sure asked me he out for thought, another date. He went home and he said, Mother, I met the most wonderful woman. Yes, I think he did. I, I can't pay you back the $3.84 <laughs> worth of ice cream, but she could easily be one of my wives. One of my wives. Barbie, that is absolutely the best dating story I have ever heard in my entire life. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. We're going to change gears a little bit. <laughs> Because we have to. Because we have to. Because <laughs> we're not topping that. That's for you sure. really can't. No. Oh, oh my god. Well, the other dating fantastic. story is actually a little bit better, but it's longer, and I'll tell you another time. Yeah. Uh, one That's of the other fine. things we want to talk about is what you're known for now. You are famous, Barbie. I'm not. You famous. are so famous. When no. I was doing research for this, Barbie is actually I'm going to call it world class dress designer. Well, I appreciate that. How did that, that all start? Heck, if I know. Um. So. I have been obsessed with wedding dresses since I was about three years old. Obsessed. Just insanely obsessed. But I never went to school for it or did anything. Yeah. It really was just a series of events that kind of led me to where I am now. That I actually did accounting for about 13 years. Mm. And on the side, I did wedding planning and things like that. And I realized the thing that I liked best about helping people with weddings was actually the dresses. Was going and helping them with that. And so I'm like, oh, maybe someday I could do that. And so I started following this um, company that's out here in Utah called Latter-day Bride. And they used to have a magazine, and I'd wait for that magazine every year. And 
loved it. And one day, it was in 2012, I woke up and I think it was January or February and I had this overwhelming, I do not get revelation mm-hmm. ever. Sure. And I had this very overwhelming feeling of you need to move to Utah. And people who did not grow up in Utah don't want to move to Utah. That's, <laughs> so, I was in that camp. Sure. See, thank you. I was there. Yeah. And I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think Heavenly Father's used to me that he's like, we're just going to keep going on this. And yeah. for about five months, every day, it was, you're going to move to Utah. Utah. And and really just, I wasn't going to do it until everything kind of in my life, like jobs weren't working out and where I was, and it just, my ward yeah. wasn't where I was supposed to be. And so finally, I was like, fine, I'll move, but I want to change, completely change my career. Wow. And this is in 2012. This is in 2012. Um. I finally, like, and as soon as I made the decision to move to Utah, everything just kind of fall, started falling into place. So I actually sent an email to this company and said, I will do anything to work for you guys. Like, I love this mm. company. I want to be a part of it. And the owner thought I was nuts. Sure. <laughs> so she brought me in for an interview and we ended up really connecting. And she ended up creating a position for me. She wasn't really hiring then. Wow. And so when I moved out here, it just fell into place. And so at first I was their social media manager and then it moved up to being their creative director. So I ran all their photo shoots and their website and really just anything you can think of. And I just immersed myself in mm. in wedding dresses and especially modest wedding dresses. That's Yeah, that's your specialty. That's my that's specialty. What you're known for. Yes. And so um my job ended about a little over a year ago and I had made a connection at this company called Mon Cherie, and I knew that they we're thinking about doing a modest wedding dress line. And so I sent an email to the CEO and said, hey, I think you should possibly consider bringing me on to do this. And he flew me out for an interview and said, okay, we'll have you be in charge of that. Where are they based out of? Uh, New Jersey. Yeah. And they're a big, big company. Big they're deal. a really big yeah. company. And so they gave me my own line. And he's like, I want you to be like the CEO of your own company, basically. And so I do the same. Like, I run all the photo shoots. I do that. So... To explain a little bit, I do not sew. Yeah. I do not draw. I do not do any of these things. But what I can do, and something I've been able to do my whole life, is I can look at a dress, whether it's a perfect example is one dress that I saw it was in their prom line and it was black and fuchsia and strapless. And I looked at it and I said, that needs to be a modest wedding dress. And they all thought I was crazy. No kidding. Yeah. And so I what I do is I have someone do my sketches for me and I tell them what I want it to look like. And I give them all the details and we send it to our factories that we work with. And they say, okay, here's how you're going to change it. Here's the colors we want to do. You're going to make it modest in this way. And then they send me back a prototype. And if I like it, I add it to my line. And so the black and fuchsia prom dress is actually one of my best-selling dresses now. It's a beautiful beautiful wedding wedding dress. dress. It's stunning. And if people want to see your work, where do they go? They're going to go to modestbymoncherie.com. Modest by Moncherie. So it really is your own line. It's my own line. Wow. Yeah. So I'm not a designer per se. I call myself a redesigner because everything I do is a take on something that Moncherie has already done. I'll call you a designer. It's You're fine. A designer. I just I just feel bad because some Even people like the, went it's to a school. Different process, and, no. Yeah. But so what? Yeah. You're a designer. It's what I do, so, and I so love it. So how do the people at Moncherie that probably had that ever <laughs> crossed their minds before? So they started doing it. They had one collection right before I started there, and so that's how I actually knew them. Was they wanted us to carry the line at Latter Day Bride, and so that's how I made these contacts, and so. They were like, they knew it was a niche product. They yeah. knew that 
there was potential in these certain states and stuff. And so, but when I came on, I'm a bit of a freight train that I'm like, <laughs> this is who I am and you will love make this. Make it happen. I will make it happen. And so I think they kind of didn't realize, you know, that there really was this huge market. Yeah. Because in their minds on the East Coast, everyone that they know that's Jewish is Orthodox Jewish. Yeah. And they go to a local seamstress who changes dresses. And so they're like, oh, that's what Mormons do. I'm like, nah, that's not what Mormons do. Yeah, no. So it's been kind of interesting because no one I work with is LDS. And so mm. I feel like I talk about the gospel more. Sure. And basics of the church every single day. I talk about it so much that it's kind of crazy. So this has kind of created gospel opportunities mm -hmm. as well. Because everybody yeah. in your company knows that you're LDS, knows that's why you're the modesty yep. one. Yep. Are they surprised by some of the things like, no, this really does have to be covered or this really does have to be this yes. length? Or are they surprised? They're a little less surprised than most people I've talked to that aren't LDS that are like, that doesn't make any sense. Because they, they know Orthodox Jews, that helps because Orthodox Jews are much more covered than yeah, we are. Yeah, much more covered. Much more. Hair and everything. I mean, they... Hair and everything. Everything. Yeah. Yes. And so, but they still are kind of like, wait, so... And I always joke because in one of my first meetings with the team, they were like, okay, so tell us about modesty. And I'm like, when are you going to ask me about my underwear? Because <laughs> they're like... And they're like... Well, that feels inappropriate. I'm like, people ask me about my underwear every day. It happens all the time to <laughs> it me. It happens all does. the time. Do people and think it's a rumor. They do. They come to me and they'll go, so yeah. I've heard about Mormon underwear. It's like not real, right? <laughs> oh, no. No, it's, it's real. It's real. It's real. Yeah. And, and they always joke. They're like, isn't it horrible? I'm like, no, it's like wearing pajamas under yeah. my clothes. It's wonderful. Once, What's funny is when I explain it to people, mm -hmm. afterward they go, well, that's not that interesting. <laughs> What, it's just a, a t-shirt and long underwear? That's yeah. That's not, I thought it was going to be something fascinating. I know. I said, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that fascinating. Sorry. Yeah. The church actually came out with a video a couple years ago about the garments. Yeah, like two and years ago. It's phenomenal. I show yeah. it at my meetings at their, at um, headquarters and these places, and they love it because they're like, it makes perfect sense. I don't think that's weird at all. Yeah. And I'm like, really? And so that video was just inspired. It's one of the things I love in this media age that the church has really, mm -hmm. it used to be that everything sacred and secret when I was younger mm -hmm. were kind of the same thing. You didn't talk about the temple. Correct. Out, you know, other than the walls. You didn't talk mm -hmm. about garments. You didn't talk about any of that stuff. Now the church has said, okay, there's a difference between sacred and secret. There yep. are things that are sacred. There are things that are not necessarily secret, but that we certainly wouldn't divulge in mm -hmm. like a, a, a casual setting. Yeah. But... It's sacred, and we're going to talk about it sacredly, but it's not a big secret. Correct. That Correct. is just amazing. Now, you have gotten so much notoriety <laughs> in this that. time that you've been doing it. No, it's true, because if you do a search for you, you, you know, there are all kinds of people who are fascinated with what you're doing. Thank you. What tips do you have for, for Mormon brides? Mormon brides. The biggest thing is as soon as you know you're getting married, go start looking for a dress. Yeah. Because we have such short engagements... So outside of Mormon land, when you go to a regular store and buy a dress, it takes between six and 12 months to get your dress. That, that is, is amazing. That is the standard. That is not flying in Mormon no. land. No. And so when I'm telling my factories and stuff, I'm like, these girls get married in three months. And they're like, what are you talking about? And my favorite is they all go, are they all pregnant? And I'm like, they're literally the polar opposite they are, they are of that. definitely not. <laughs> they are not. <laughs> and so like, that's how it is in every other like regular life yeah. and so 
Go as soon as you can. We try to carry a lot of stock because we know these girls need dresses fast. The other thing is sit down and really realistically look at your budget. Yeah. Um, I have so many girls that used to come into the store and were like, I have a $300 budget. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you you really can't get, mm-hmm. you can't even buy fabric for that, to be honest. Yeah. And so sit down and be realistic about your about your about your entire budget and actually figure out. And then the other thing is, don't take a lot of people with you to go shopping. Take one, maybe two. Boy, that's a great tip, right? They're, oh, it yeah, is. because everybody's got an opinion. Yep, and they love to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> so you think it's going to be fun and wonderful, and it never is. What is a really realistic budget? I mean, if you were to say to a girl, mm-hmm. really, you probably shouldn't think about buying a nice wedding dress unless you're willing to spend. 800 to 1,000. 800 to 1,000. And that's actually quite low in normal wedding land. Right. But in Mormon land, like, it seems high, but that's a good, healthy budget. Yeah. That'll get you good quality fabrics. That'll get you a dress that is going nice. to flatter. Yeah. It's going to look really nice. It's not going to look like it's from a Chinese website. Yeah. So. And there are a lot. There are a lot of websites where they ship oh. straight out of China and the nightmares that come with that. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. You have to keep in mind, these factories are looking at a picture of a dress that they've never seen in person before. Mm. They don't even know what it's made out of. And they're literally just sewing something together. Ugh, that's rough. It's awful. So once again, that's uh, Modesty by Moncherie. Modest by Moncherie. Modest. Sorry. Modest. Mm-hmm. By Moncherie.com. That's and they can it. see your whole collection. Yes, they So can. what's next for Barbie Burke? What is next? What else? Um, I photograph my new collection next week. Ah, and awesome. so my focus this year is just getting the name of the brand out there. And so I go do all these bridal markets and things like that. I work with the stores, but I'm also doing a lot of young women's groups. And awesome. so what I do with that is my favorite is I have them come and we go to a location. Sometimes it's at a store. Sometimes it's at a house. And we talk about modesty and the importance of modesty and temple marriage. And then my favorite part is at the end, these girls get to try on a modest wedding dress and take pictures. Uh, And my goal is to make them know that modest does not equal frumpy. And so they can have these visions of when they want to get married someday. You know, maybe it's five years away, maybe it's 30 years away, but they can envision a modest wedding dress. What a beautiful mission. Thank you. You do see all the crazy irony. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that the, the queen of 100 dates is also the queen of the modest wedding dress. It is funny because everybody's like, how long have you been married? I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Not at all. Never been. But I been. play with dresses all day. Every but someday day. I might be a Walmart night stalker's third wife. I could be. If I'm lucky, <laughs> I'm nobody's third wife. I heard there's wife. good ice cream in that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if anything, I'm going to be a first wife. <laughs> Barbie, you are so much fun. Thank and you. And I just love that we got to sit down and have this conversation. Uh, it's just wonderful. Again, um, people can check out it's, uh, Barbie Ann love, no Barbie Ann love Barbie Ann, Barbie Ann, Ann, Ann love at no, I think it's dot blogspot. Dot blogspot. See, now I'm thrown off. I'm sorry. Barbie Ann love dot blogspot.com. The collection is modest by Moncherie. Mm-hmm. Um, dot com and people can follow you and just check it out. Yep. And uh, we'll have we'll share some of the links on the Facebook page. I love that. So that you know, and we keep up with all of our guests. We always, whenever there's something new, we always share it. So I would love we're going to end the conversation today the way we end with every one of our guests. And we didn't prepare you in advance for this, so <laughs> I'd love to hear the answer. What does being a member of the church mean to you? Everything. It 
it's crazy to look back at my life because I was inactive for a long time and now I'm active again. And to see Heavenly Father's hand in every piece of my life going forward, and I would not have anything without the gospel. Wow. Barbara, your energy is contagious. Thank you. And this was wonderful, and I'm so excited we had this chance to talk. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you, Barbie Berg. That was so much fun. So much fun getting to sit and talk to her. When her book comes out, buy it, because she told me one of her other stories, and I was in tears. I was laughing so hard. Just such a great soul, Barbie Berg. Thank you so much. This week in my Latter-day life, I got to thinking about dating. It has been a long time since I have been out of the dating pool, but I do remember one date that uh, is pretty well etched in my mind. It's uh, actually a good story. It could have gone south, but it went pretty well. Uh, It was my birthday, and it was uh, after I'd gotten home from my mission. I was living with some roommates, and I found out that a bunch of our friends were going to a concert. They were going to see Sarah McLachlan. This was down in Southern California, and I did not have a ticket, and neither did this one other girl. So the other girl said, hey, why don't we go with all of them since it's your birthday? And she said, I'll buy you a ticket. Ah. That was sweet. But we were going as a group, and it was very clear it wasn't really a date. We were going as a group. This girl was so far out of my league, even though I had such a big crush on her. But when we got there, all the other friends were sitting in one section, and this other girl and I were sitting in another section. And I got to sit next to her the entire concert. Once it was over, this was the greatest night, because this girl was so awesome. And we all got back to my house, and one by one, our friends started to leave until it got down to just me and this girl, and I decided to keep her outside talking as long as I possibly could. And it was after 11 o'clock at night, and she said, you know, before I take off, can I get a glass of water? Yes, of course you can, absolutely. So I invited her into the house uh, where my roommates were, and she knew them. We were all in the same ward. I got a, uh, a glass of water for her, and I was thinking, how can I keep this going? How do I keep talking to this girl? Because she looked like she was getting tired. And I said, hey, uh, I was just about to watch a movie. And we were standing in my living room. And she said, you were going to watch a movie at 11 o'clock at night? And I said, yes, I was going to watch a movie at 11 o'clock at night. Now, I had no intention of watching a movie. This was just a ploy to get her to stay there. And she said, well, what movie were you going to watch? Now, I had a roommate that had moved out and gone on his mission and he had, this is when VHS tapes were how we had movies, not even DVDs, VHS tapes. This was in uh, 1994. Yes, 1994. And uh, he had this big wall of tapes. And so it was easy. I turned and I said, I was just about to watch. And with hundreds of options, I was just going to point to the first one that caught my eye. Well, it turned out that his brother had come that day and had picked up all of the tapes. All the movies were gone. The entire wall was blank, and I hadn't realized it. But I did have one roommate, Derek, who had his niece there that day, and he had been babysitting his niece. And there, sitting on the table, the only movie that was there was Aladdin, The Return of Jafar. Not even the original Aladdin movie from Disney, but The Return of Jafar, the terrible, terrible sequel. And I looked at her, and with all the seriousness I could muster, I said, I was about to watch The Return of Jafar. 
She looked at me and said, at 11 o'clock at night, you were going to sit down and watch Aladdin, The Return of Jafar. And I said, yes. And she said, okay. And she sat down and we turned on Aladdin, The Return of Jafar, and we sat and we talked through most of it. And at one point I reached over and took her hand and she didn't take it back away from me. And a few months later, I married that young woman. And it's been 24 years later, and Aladdin, The Return of Jafar, always makes us laugh. Thank heavens that movie was there, because if there hadn't been a movie there, this was pre-Netflix, pre-anything else, I would have been in a lot of trouble. But uh, that was one date that went very, very well for me, and I'm grateful for it. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day Life. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you want those tickets, I mean the full pass to the LDS Film Festival 2018, please email me, sean at latterdaylives.com, or email me with anything else. I'm actually going to draw a winner on next week's show. So you have all week to get it in, but be sure to get it in, okay? Because you really want these passes. And again, go check it out, uh, ldsfilmfest.com. If you want to reach out to us with any other questions, uh, you can do it by email, or we're on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Check us out. Just search for latter-day lives and you know this podcast can be found anywhere if you want to hear uh, back episodes check it out at latterdaylives.com or anywhere where you get your podcasts and until next week remember there's a great big beautiful world out there so go be in it just not of it thanks for listening <laughs>